if I'm a 13, 14 year old kid who lost that many people, didn't go through therapy and nobody asks, are you okay? I got to live with that. Most people, when they're going to do any type of therapy, they're thinking that they're having to heal the adult. You're not having to heal the adult. You're trying to heal that 13, 14 year old version of yourself that experienced all that trauma. And so as I become an adult, I'm realizing that all of the impact of that trauma is still playing out in my adult life that happened when I was a kid. All right. Um, Dr. Bobby? Yeah. So how long have you been a doctor? Um, now 13 years. What kind of, and specify for the audience, maybe a little bit about your background, introduce yourself for any listeners that might yeah, not yeah. be familiar with yourself. Yeah, yeah. Please. So uh, Dr. Bobby Price, pharmacist turned herbalist and plant-based nutritionist. I worked for the FDA, worked as a clinical pharmacist in the hospital, and then uh, essentially had this personal journey of discovering my own health because I got diagnosed with high blood pressure as a 16-year-old and um, discovered the healing ability of food as medicine and uh, made the switch and uh, essentially left the hospital, started using herbal medicine and food as medicine and heal myself first and then start healing other people with it. That's amazing. And I, I don't want to get political with it, but I'm surprised the FDA hasn't given you more trouble. It's <laughs> 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 a big pharma to F-A-R-M farm, you yeah, know, that's yeah. uh, coming yeah, against yeah. the grain, no? You know what it is, is that uh, I think what happens is, is that I'm into like staying in my lane with positive energy. And what happens is a lot of times feel, a lot of times people feel like if I've gone in this next direction, I need to constantly pummel and talk about the direction that I came from. And so I don't spend a lot of time talking about how horrible the FDA is or the pharmaceutical industry is. I just simply show people what the benefits of going this direction is because it's a distraction to me going this direction. It's kind of what we were talking about pre-recording almost about getting stuck in the past and I guess how we can identify with our traumas, whether it be grief, loss, or anything we've gone through, which is an interesting thought. I thought we were going to start. I wanted to start with One Direction, but here we are anyway. We're just going to freestyle. Let's do it. You know, that getting stuck in the past, how much of a difference is that between, you know, learning from your past and remembering it, but being stuck? Like, is there is there is there a balancing act there with, let's say, grief or whatever the trauma is? Say, okay, I'm really stuck in that past and I can't be present. But at the same time, you know, you remembering it sometimes is powerful in itself, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Well, when you're stuck in the past, it means you're stuck in the lesson. Mm. Ooh. Does that make sense? Yeah, bars right there, actually. If you really think about it, what happens with a lot of people is quite often that lesson is constantly repeating. Take somebody who's in a relationship and they continue to get the same kind of person over and over and over, and they can't understand why they're getting what they're getting. Life is just simply trying to teach you, you haven't learned this lesson. So that's why it keeps you stuck in the past, because you have to learn the lesson to move forward. And so I always look at my life in that sort of perspective, because what I realize is that, you know, life is constantly teaching you. And, and that's why I wrote, I wrote a book called Life is My Guru. And the tagline is, life is not happening to you, it's happening for you. And so when things are happening in this way, you got to ask yourself, what is life trying to teach me? And I think what happens with a lot of people, they don't look at it from that perspective. They look at it from a victim mindset. They start to think to themselves, like, life is punishing me, you know, or this person is doing this to me. 
not thinking that there's a lesson there to learn. So I look at it from that perspective, like life is trying to teach me something. And whenever I get stuck, it's because I'm not learning the lesson. That makes sense. And then sometimes it's hard to find the lesson. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you find those lessons later on, which I think is fine. We have a process in our timeline. Um, but one experience I had that I'm curious to see what you think about it. I you know, had my experience when I was a kid losing my father. Then I had something recently without tapping into it. But I was I felt like I was able to uh, immediately, maybe it was too obsessive with it. I, I feel like I saw the lesson while it was happening. Yeah. I, is that, I don't know if that's a problem or something wrong with me. Like, obviously, it's positive, but it was bizarre that in this chaotic, very traumatic experience that we were going through as a family, I was I, I was able to stay present while it was happening. And I feel yeah. like that's a... That was a weird place for me. Yeah. A very weird place for me. Yeah. As good as it was, I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing because there's levels of consciousness, right? You can learn retrospectively, meaning you've gone through the lesson, the experience happened, and now you got to look back and find the lesson. Yeah. Okay? You can learn beforehand, like you see it coming, and then you say, okay, I'm not going to step into the hole. Or you can learn during the experience itself. To be honest with you, I think learning during the experience is the best lesson because you're being present. Yes, and that, w- that was a synonymous word. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. That was a synonymous word of while I was thinking about that. It wasn't me trying to focus on the lesson and what can I get out of this or try to divert the horrible situation yeah. to find the lesson, but I simultaneously felt the most present I've ever felt in my life. Yeah, It's yeah. a very weird feeling. Which is weird that that's weird. That should be just the way we live. That should be. The fact that it's weird is like twisting my mind up. You want to know why it's weird? Because we're used to being, I always tell people life is like a play. And you can either be the actor on the stage or you can be in the audience. If you're on the stage, you can't break character. You understand? So when life is happening, you have to stay in character. Even if you know like, you know, I'm watching, you know, Hamlet. And this scene is about to come, and I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm playing the character that is about to die, but I can't break character. I got to go through this, all right? And most people are living their lives exactly like that. Or you can be in the audience where you're a witness. You can be a witness to your life where when something is happening, you're actually witnessing it happening. And that's what I think you were experiencing. You became a witness in the moment. So now you're fully conscious. You're not caught up in the emotions of it. Because once you get caught up in emotions, now you're gonna, you got to go wherever the emotions take you. If you're angry, guess what? You got to be angry. You got to act angry. You got to think angry. You got to help people believe that you're angry. You got to be the actor. And so I think it's so important to become that, what I call a conscious observer, in your life and start to witness things in the moment, be present. Because when you think about it at the end of the day, the past doesn't exist and the future is just our imagination. The only time we really have is now. So the more present you can be, the more you can start to carve out those lessons in life and become that higher version of yourself. Yeah, it's it's I, we're just programmed and I don't know how much of it's tribal from hundreds of, you know, all this centuries of evolution. I don't know what it is, but when you it's a it, that present really is the sweet spot because you most of the time we're worrying about things that either happen, like you said, we're stuck in the past, mm-hmm. worry about things that might happen that haven't happened. And then there's the two situations where okay, shit's happening right now, you gotta handle it. That's where like the fight or flight comes in. That's natural, I think. All right. But when you're in the moment, most of the time it's okay, I'm in this moment right now. That happened. 
but you're not there. This might happen, but you're not there either. So staying in that present is like the most peaceful opportunity that we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you find your peace. Easier said than done, but I it's I, I found that in that moment as weird as that sounds. So it's it's definitely there, but it just takes I think a similar mindset to what you're explaining. And that as cliche and corny as it may sound, that positivity is there's a reason why all the great minds and everyone's talking about it. It's not just someone trying to make an Instagram buck, but it's it's real. But in, in regards to I want to I want to tap into what you mentioned about you having a survivor's guilt, and I think that relates to what we're talking about, maybe being present in the moment. And you were young. Ex- explain people, you know what you meant by what you mean by the survivor's guilt that you had as it relates to your your growing up yeah so i grew up in a really impoverished environment uh grew up in the projects and uh the unfortunate thing about no matter where where the ghetto is is that frustration spill out and um as a result you get to experience not only the frustrations you have but the frustrations that everybody around you has too and so by the time I was 12 years old, I witnessed my best friend kill another friend with a bat. Um, I had another friend who committed a double homicide and killed a couple uh, robbing a store. At my cousin, who I was closest to, got killed and um, running away from the police. And uh, so this is all by the time I'm 14 years old. And as I navigate through life and start to achieve some level of success, I have to look back and remember everybody. You have a certain level of survivor's guilt. You think to yourself, like, I'm the, I'm the last person left. Now, most people would celebrate that. But if you have a certain level of compassion for all the people that you left behind and you didn't heal from all that trauma, because you got to think, if I'm a 13, 14-year-old kid who lost that many people, didn't go through therapy, and nobody asked, are you okay? Nobody, you know, made any adjustments for me. I got to live with that. And the unfortunate thing about society today is most people, when they're going to do any type of therapy, they're thinking that they're having to heal the adult. You're not having to heal the adult. You're trying to heal that 13, 14-year-old version of yourself that experienced all that trauma. And so as I become an adult, I'm realizing that all of the impact of that trauma is still playing out in my adult life that happened when I was a kid. And part of that trauma was the survivor's guilt. I was thinking about who I was compared to who I was, who I am today, and thinking to myself, well, I could have been that person. You know, thinking to myself, the people who told me to go home when there was going to be a shootout, and they didn't make it out of that. You know, so I'm constantly thinking about this all the time. And as a result, you know, it's hard for me to move forward in life because I'm constantly thinking about the past. It was like we were just talking about. You either get stuck in the past or you get stuck in the future and you can't be present. And so, you know, uh, it took a lot of healing to go through and do that unpacking, all of that unpacking of what happened. Because a lot of times when you look back, what you'll discover is the way you play out the scenario of what happened then and versus what actually happened, it will be different. Sometimes it could be magnified. Sometimes it could be dulled out, but it'll be different. And you have to go back and pull up the rug and sweep everything out from off and under the rug to discover and unpack what you truly need to heal. And so, you know, that, that was a huge part of my healing was just going back and rediscovering, looking at peeling back all those old wounds, pulling back scars, pulling off scabs, 
and uh, revisiting things that I never wanted to sort of uh, revisit again. What is that process exactly? I know you just broke it down a bit, but when you said, when you, well, what does unpack mean to you? Is it literally just revert back to those times and try to recall the memories, or is it processing or redefining certain things that you felt or gone through? Yeah, well, well, for me, I can't say what it is for everybody, but right. for me, I was looking at parts of myself today that I wasn't in love with. You know, sometimes acting out an intolerance, sometimes, you know, um, not allowing people to be close to me, not allowing myself to be close to others, and really doing the work to see where that came from. And when did that start? You know, because you, you can look at look back on your childhood and see a part of your childhood where this is a part of my childhood. Like I was super loving. Like I used to invite people over, and then I remember another part of my childhood. I didn't let nobody come over. The second half after, like after yeah. like twelve to fourteen, yeah. fifteen. Yeah, like I used to white girls' poems. No more poems anymore. <laughs> You know, so that could like, be a lot of reasons, but you know, you see what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I got you, I got you. you start to like see like where the shifts happen, mm. and then you say, okay, well, the shift happened when all of this happened all at once. How much of importance do you think it is in regards to figuring out where it came from? Like, I, I I've, I've always just uh, tried to figure that out. Sometimes I think about okay, the, I, what I, other things I've gone through, my kid. Let's just think about I lost my dad, and I try to relate the things that I have today. And I love what you said about working on the childhood shit because that's like where all, it all comes from. We're all kids with hairy armpits. That's pretty much yeah. what I feel like. And so it's like, I think about all this stuff, my flaws, the things I could be work, I should be working on or feel like I should be working on. And then I think, okay, did that come from me losing my dad at 12? Did that come from this or that? And then some part of me also wants to kind of let go of maybe what caused it and just try to embrace the feeling and try to work through that feeling, maybe not being 100% certain of where it came from. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because how, yeah. how, do how do you define, okay, this came, like I, I lost so-and-so, or I went through this breakup, or, or what you've gone through as a kid at 12 yeah. years old. That seems like the obvious traumatic choice. Yeah. But at the same time, there's so many other so smaller things that we might go through that might change who we are. So yeah. it's like, how do you even pinpoint that? Yeah, well, what I did was I went back to the scene of the crime. Oh, damn. You really so you gotta, it. You got to really wow. look at it that way. Yeah. You go back to the scene of the crime and you think to yourself, what emotion do you remember the most? Because here's the thing about life. You may not remember what time it was. You may not remember all who was there. But what you will remember is what you felt like in that moment. And so you go back to the scene of the crime, you remember what you felt like. I'll give you a case in point. When my cousin was killed, I remember the morning my dad went out to look for him uh, because he had been missing for three days. And my dad goes out, and I heard him pull up in the yard. And when he pulled up, I ran close to the door just to see like if he found him. And when he walked in, he told me he was dead, and he walked upstairs. Now, I remember that moment. And the reason why I remember that moment, because I reached out to my dad to hug, hug him. Now, what's important to realize is about that, I had, a mo- I had that moment by myself. I blame my dad forever for that. And then what I realized later in life was this. My dad went upstairs and he was crying. So we were just crying separately. And so I had to forgive my dad. Then I had to forgive myself. You see what I'm saying? So you got to go back to the scene of the crime and do the work. And most people don't want to go back and do that unpacking. 
yeah, it's even too scary. Yeah. It's scary, but it's it's like you got to go. If you're going to go around the storm, it's not going to work. If you go through the storm, you're going to get through it a lot quicker. Exactly. And that's the thing where it's, it's so ironic that we're we think we're doing these things to protect us. Yep. But we're doing all these things that are excuse my French, but F, I'm not going to say it. Effing us up more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's because so you're just trying to sweep it under more. Yeah, it's picking up, lifting up the rug, like you said. Yep, you got to lift up that rug. And, you know, and from there, you can kind of start the forgiveness process because I, I truly believe that healing starts with forgiveness and acceptance. The acceptance is this happened. You can't change that it happened. The forgiveness is first you. I had to forgive myself. I blame myself for not being there for my, not only for my cousin, but I, after I discovered what happened to my dad when he went upstairs and he was crying, I blamed myself for not going upstairs to be there for him. Even though like I was a kid and I needed the compassion. So it's so important to do that work. I, I tell people that, yeah, there are little things, but if you're willing to, if you're willing to be vulnerable enough, you'll know exactly what they are. Most people know exactly what they are. They just gotta be willing to unpack it. And what is that process for you to find that willingness is just kind of uh i'm at a point where i need to do something is that usually what it is i just i, I was tired of getting what i was getting yeah right and that goes back to what you're just saying just yeah saying, doing i was the same tired thing, of getting what i was getting and being who i wasn't i knew who i wasn't as as an adult i knew that wasn't me i knew at one point in my life like i was a happy-go-lucky kid i was the kid who would do funny things with people. I was the lover boy. Like, I was all those things at one point. And to a certain level, you feel like a slave. You feel like a slave to all of the emotions that are overtaking you anytime you think about this. You feel like you're captured and shackled by your past. And I just didn't want to be that anymore. And sometimes you feel like you're acting out and you're like, I didn't even want to do that. Just a response. It was just this natural trigger. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so, you know, the thing is, you have to look at it and you have to say, it's very easy to say, this is who I am, which is most what most people do. But who you believe you are and what you are are two totally different things. You know, there's a difference between a doing and a happening. And for me, when I looked at these emotions and things that were coming out of me in the form of anger or, you know, blocking people away from me, it, was a, it wasn't a happening, it was a doing. I was doing this. And I was doing it for a reason. And of course, you will discover at some point you're doing it for the, the sole purposes of protecting yourself. Yeah, and that's- You the, think the, you're protecting you yourself. think you're protecting yourself. Mm-hmm. And you just- Anyway, it's, 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 and sometimes it seems, I think it gets- kind of illusion that you are protecting yourself because you put it so deep subconsciously and then you know subconscious runs what like 90% of our life or whatever don't yeah. put me in that number yeah. and we don't even realize it. I mean think about your subconscious it's just, it's just habitual it just constantly happens you yeah. put that shit deeper and deeper like you said you didn't want to react like that or respond like that with that trigger yeah. that, that's, that's the exemplifying the exact response that our body just has inside us that we have to release through that acceptance and forgiveness yeah yeah and then you know what happens is is that you end up, I, I took ownership. I said that anytime I did a certain thing, I, I made myself apologize for it. And I wasn't the kind of person that apologized to people. To, so to someone or to yourself? Yeah, if I did it to someone or to me, I would apologize to them. 
that was the that was the deal I made with myself. You're going to have to apologize. So one of the places you're going to store a lot of that hurt and regret is in your ego. All of this is coming from your ego. Your ego is actually there thinking it's protecting you. And so one of the places that I had a tremendous amount of ego was on the basketball court. And so... So the most players I played with, for sure. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, for me, I would notice that the only place that I would find myself aggressive and sometimes even violent was on the basketball court. Everywhere else in life, I was just fine. There was a point where I stopped playing basketball for, like, a whole year. I wouldn't even play because I was just so disappointed in myself and how I was handling myself when I would play basketball, when I would get frustrated. But I realized that was the place that I found as a release to act out, to be aggressive, to, to you know, take advantage of people or whatever it may be. And so I, I discovered that this was a cop-out, not just playing basketball. That's a cop-out. You got to find a way to play basketball and be an actual human being. <laughs> and so I told myself, anytime I do something that's inappropriate, I'm going to apologize to people. And now I'm looking like a fool. <laughs> like, the whole time I'm playing, and everybody thinks I'm crazy because you, they're used to the aggressiveness. Yeah. What, are you crossing someone up and saying, my bad, on the way to the no, hole? No, <laughs> bumping them, um, giving them a little elbow, yeah, like, yeah. whatever, talking crazy. But making sure people feel bad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a big part of the game. Come on, yeah, that's really basketball. So, uh, but I realized that it was a it was an outlet for me to to use my anger. Yeah, you know, she's and, a man, right? Yeah, that aggression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I said, you know, you're gonna have to apologize every time it happens. And I started apologizing and apologizing, and I was like, you know what? Like, I gotta heal. Because I can't be doing all this about <laughs> some point. I need to get correct. Yeah, and yeah. So that was literally the beginning of the journey for me, to be honest with you. That's pretty badass. Yeah. So what do you even, So what is your opinion now for someone that, because I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of this healing for you happened later in life, as we've been discussing. Right? Yeah. It wasn't exactly identified or consciously worked through during a very primal years of your life. Yeah. So for at any age, if someone's going through whatever traumatic experience, obviously with the conversation, this podcast of going seeing death or experiencing grief and loss, is everything you just said part of that? Can you you think that applies to when someone's going through it now? Like, what is your opinion? Obviously, you can't speak for everyone. Yeah. But what is your opinion of if you are going through grief right now? You think yeah. it's a similar template? Yeah, it's very similar, bro. But I I, I will say this: my life is a roadmap. Of course, you can take different directions if you want to, and you should. But uh, what I try to do is I try to be this vulnerable and open with people so that they can understand that there is a roadmap that you can take if you don't know what to do, because most people in these scenarios feel lost. And um, so, yeah, that's that's really my advice is, you know, my life is a roadmap. So if you don't know what to do, just look at my life. L listen to my words. And take whatever out of that resonates with you. And I think it's also important to understand, listen to you. Like you got, I always say the, the most important relationship we'll ever have in life is the relationship we have with ourselves. And most people don't have a relationship with themselves. And 
that's one thing I will give my credit myself credit for is I always had a a very good relationship with myself. When you say good, meaning does that come in the form of honesty towards yourself? Honesty. Or, yeah. Yeah, because that to to me, I think that's why people don't have good relationships. They can't be honest. They can't be honest in the vetting process to say like. I don't want to be with this person. You know, they can't be honest during the relationships because they don't want to be true about who they are. And so, um, yeah, that's what I mean. Just being honest with myself about me and about life and about the experiences, not sugarcoating it, not making it something it isn't, not making it something it could be, just taking it for what it is. And then having the grace and compassion for myself to give myself the time and space to learn and to heal in the process too. That that honesty is important, especially when it comes to certain situations because the easiest person to lie to is, is yourself. As weird as that sounds, it sounds contradicting because you should know what is what, but you can still trick your brain. Yeah. But especially when it comes with certain emotions, because some emotions are confusing, especially when something happens. Like I've, I've heard stories of people when they lose X, Y, Z, they... They feel anger, and not and like not towards a god or someone that may have took the person's life. They're angry towards the person that died, and then they feel guilty because they feel angry, and they try to cover up that anger with something else and deny the anger yeah. because maybe it just it seems misplaced because think, of the resistance. Yes, to deal with the initial emotion. Yes. the initial emotion was hurt, but because you tried to tuck it away and pretend like it didn't exist, it became toxic. And so now hurt becomes frustration. Tuck that away. It becomes even more toxic. Now frustration becomes anger. And now tuck that away. Now anger becomes toxic and now becomes violence. So it only gets worse. And that's what people don't realize about emotions is that they lead you on a, a, on a more intense path, no matter what direction they're going into. You have compassion. Compassion shows kindness. Kindness needs to love. It's just it's always leading into a more intense direction. It's two different paths. Yeah, but the difference between the two: one, you're you're creating resistance. Uh-huh. The other is liberating you. You ever heard the beach ball analogy? No. So this guy, uh, I, I don't think he's the one that quoted it, but he mentioned it on a podcast. Uh, Phil Cohen, who's on TED Talks, great guy. He explained it as you know, like old like the little multicolored beach like those little blow up beach balls yeah yeah, yeah. Um, if you, like, you, try, you ever try pushing that underwater you ever try yeah. pushing it? it's, it's like it's so it's like that's what it is if you keep pushing that down it's hard to keep going but you keep pushing it deeper and deeper The hard, it's harder to hold on to and then eventually the more you push it the more it's just gonna blow yeah. up and I feel like that kind of that was a good analogy for me in regards to the way we repress suppress or, or resist our emotions you keep doing that and at first it's okay, but the deeper and deeper you do it, the harder it is to control. And then eventually it's going to go higher and higher up. It's going to pop up even quicker. Yeah. And it shows up in different ways. Yeah. It shows up in ways that may seem so unrelated in whatever we may do, but it's going to show up. And unfortunately, I think that stress and that trauma, it, people just say, oh, it's just luck in the draw. I'm sorry so-and-so got cancer, this or that. And I, it's a sensitive topic, but that stress and that trauma that we hold, that is a a bad path towards disease and all that other stuff that might pop yep. up that you might not even relate it to traumas in the past. I'm no, you know, way more than me on that. So I'm, no, talk, no. I'm talking out of my ass. No, 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 you're but, not. But because you know I mean? the, the example I'm thinking in my head now, and you know, this is going to rattle a little fe- feathers, but like take a priest, a Catholic priest, right? Mm-hmm. They have to take a vow that 
No sex. Suppressing a natural urge. Yeah. Okay? Then what happens? Well, it comes out vile. Yeah. Yes. And then little boys get end up getting molested. So yeah, I mean, there, that's a that's a that's a that's a rough one right there. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? So like I mean, you, ha- you have to understand when you suppress anything, it's going to come out vile. It's just like when you squeeze an orange, you're never gonna get apple juice. You're only gonna get what's already in you. You understand? And that's what I see in life is and that's what I'm learning in this stage of my life is that be careful what you tuck away inside of you. Cause whatever's Whenever you're squeezed in life, that's what's coming out. And there's a lot of ways. I, I feel like there's there's not. I think that's a good, in my opinion. I agree with that as a general foundational motto or rule. Do do take it with what you will. But I think it's about also finding that outlet, right? Because I feel like yeah. there's a million different outlets yeah. that might work, and it might be in disguise as basketball, but that might not be healthy either. The way you were doing it, if, as you were explaining it, but there's different. There's different outlets, and it's about finding that for you, whether it is talking. Maybe talking is not – maybe people don't want to do that, and I think that I like talking. Yeah. But also, maybe that's not for everyone. Even yeah. though I think it can be. That's just my opinion. As long as it's not resistance. Yes. If the outlet doesn't create even more resistance. See, basketball created more resistance. Yeah, how, how exactly? Just because you were just – Because it gave me an outlet to act out my rage. Right. There it is. That's more resistance. It's only going to lead to more and more violence. Which can be confused as a release. Yes, confused. And so had I taken that as an opportunity to be creative, to say, all right, I'm going to go express, you know, the emotion of hurt through creativity. That's a totally different outlet and a totally different outcome. But most people think that the only way you can express hurt is with frustration, violence, anger. That's not the only way you can do that. And that, but and I think that was sort of my false, you know, point that I made to myself was that I'm angry, so I'm gonna go act out that anger on somebody else. Yeah, it's usually where it comes from. Someone else gets the other side of it. Yes, and it's a standard projection, I guess, right? Yep. Yeah, human beings are so complicated. Yet I feel like yet it is relatively simple on paper to work it out. Yeah, it's like the 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 secret sauce is like just do this, but there's just so many layers. As long as we're willing to put in the work and just not like you said, suppress it, avoid it, just handle it because we're not protecting ourselves by just tucking it away. That's for damn sure. I mean, I've realized that. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people. That's one of the patterns that I'm seeing with people that are going in their healing journey. Yeah, it is that facing it. It is that facing it and not sugarcoating it, like you said. It's just going. It's just getting right after it. Yeah, but it's easier said than done. It's scary. Oh, oh, for sure. It's scary because you, yeah. you might see some things you don't want to see, even though you know it's there already. Yeah, and I think that's the the scary part is when you embrace the hurt, you think you become the hurt. So that's why people go in the other direction. Mm. Well, I think I think the word embrace, right? A hug. Mm-hmm. You don't hug everyone forever. You hug them and say goodbye. Yeah. So it's like hug it. And then let it go. Yeah, but the hurt feels for, feels like forever in the moment. Yes, especially should, especially when you're. I mean, especially I mean, prolonged for sure. But yeah. especially in the moment, it doesn't feel like it's going to be over. No, that's that's the hard part. Yeah. So to revisit it is it feels like you're revisiting forever, and you're going to get caught up in forever. I think that's what happens with people, and people just don't don't want to get lost in the hurt, and that becomes who they are. So what the idea is. I'll take this hurt 
And the idea, they're thinking they're releasing the hurt, but what they're really doing is creating more resistance. Yeah, and case in point is you. Do it. You've, you've worked this out for your personal stuff. Yeah. And let me ask you, since you said no one asked you as a kid, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I'm good, man. You know, I, I think what happens is when you start the journey for yourself and, and you get some healing, you realize it's going to be okay. Just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think it's just like every journey, a thousand-mile journey begins with one step. But most people are afraid to take the first step in that direction. And do you think that first step is because of the fear of just putting yourself in that hurt again? Yeah, you, it, it, you don't know when it's going to end. There's no, there's no time lapse on it. There's no end date to it. But what is that? How come people, I mean, pe- general people, including myself, what is that about not think like we, I guess it's just, we just don't think it's going to end or not as opposed to not knowing when it's going to end because how did, like, what is the natural feeling? I'm just, I'm going to stay stagnant. I'm not going to be proactive. How, how could it, why do we expect that we're going to get better by doing nothing? Because we think that we can make things disappear. Like that's what, that's what life teaches us in so many different ways. It's like, I'll just make this go away. Yeah, we don't even know how, but we're going to do it. No, just make it go away. Pretend like it, like how many people you, you know are just pretending through life. They're pretending to be someone else. They're pretending. We're in LA, my man. That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> I didn't want to go there, but I think that bullet for you. Yeah, it's so lost a thousand followers. Is that right? But you see what I'm saying? It's like, like, like the way life is set up today is set us up to pretend That's and not not be who we really are. As a matter of fact. In my opinion, that is the most dangerous person in the world. The most authentic person, the person who's fully connected with who they are and accepting of who they are, that's the most dangerous person in the world. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't trick that person. They're not negotiating with you. You can't buy them off because they don't need anything. And so I think because of that, we live in a pretend world. And we believe that everything can be imaginary. We can make things go away when we act a certain way. Oh, man. Sorry, I think about my, all my problems just flashed across my eye in that moment. So <laughs> if, if I went cross-eyed for anyone watching on YouTube, I apologize. <laughs> Damn, man. No, that's, that's, that's real shit. And I, it's, it's, I appreciate you sharing a process that's worked for you. So I feel like it – I mean, this is it. This is part of the conversation. And, yeah. and again, it's not going to work for – maybe your specific methods might not work for – everyone even no. though i personally think you know it's a pretty damn good foundation and then from there you know you, you still pave your way but i think like you said it's that first step it's the first so step. if you are going through grief you just lost someone it's it's not gonna you know you just if you just broke your arm it looks like the worst thing in the world how the hell is this gonna heal but yeah. it, it will get there step by step but it's very hard to see through the to see the trees through the woods when you're in it and that's one thing i've said a million times in this podcast but you know regardless of any experience we go through hearing stories of that process and getting to a place I think you're happy with. Yeah. Look to other people sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Get good people in your circle. Find somebody you can be vulnerable with, whether that's a therapist, your mother, your girlfriend, or whoever it may be. I think we need each other. And I think we live in a society today where everybody's trying to be independent as opposed to you go back 50 years ago if you were a kid, you lived in the house till it was time to be a real adult. Now now you got kids leaving the house at 17 years old. Like nobody wants to actually, 
you know, be who they are. Like, if you're a kid, be a kid, you know? And um, I think as a result of that, like, that's where we're at. That's why we can't deal with our pain effectively um, because we don't have the outlets to do it in terms of, like, people around us. But we also don't have the coping skills either because we don't actually deal with any situations in life. We're just sweeping them under the rug. Yeah, we ain't taught. I mean, we ain't taught that. It might be the whole education system needs to be rewritten, rewritten in many ways because these are fundamental things. That I think is is nice to know. You as an example for at twelve years old, growing up, seeing all that violence and killings and murder and death. Yeah, no one. You, you had to, and you had to figure it out. And that's like a, that's a it's a blend of both. I think part of life is getting thrown in the fire and figuring it out. But at the same time, you need that you need a little bit of guidance to get you there. And I, maybe some people carry that burden and get on a podcast and talk about it to hopefully educate other people. Yeah. Or, I mean, or hearing, hearing this conversation. Yeah. And that's the whole point of this whole shit. Cause I mean, you know, I'm, it's, it's important to hear that. Cause not everyone has people, some people you say, you know, you said find someone you can be vulnerable with. Yeah. It's, it's sad. Some people don't have that. Um, and sometimes people do live in the comment section and that, and I see that a lot in this podcast, you know, people express out and I love it because most of the comments, you know, you get your CD ones here and there, of course, it's the internet, but a lot of the community that's happening with this is people are just paragraphs of expressing it. And I think that's great. You know what I mean? Like I personally, not sure if I, I do it on a podcast, I'm not sure if I would do it on a comment section, but it's, it's that community of people. That's why I love this community and other many communities that are doing similar things. It's that it's giving people an outlet with the beauty of the internet as dangerous as the internet is have that community to express yourself in written word because you might not have someone there. Yep. You, but if now we can connect with people across the world. There are more outlets out there. There are ways to find people that are feeling similar like you and have gone through what you're going through. So you're not alone. And it's like being feeling alone is, is a dangerous place to feel too. Yeah. And then the narrative around speaking about your emotions and trauma. The narrative, like the, the consensus, like the societal narrative? Well, the, nar- the societal narrative is you're weak. Yes. If you voice them. If somebody were to be in the Whole Foods and just got to a, a moment where they said, I can't take it anymore. And they said those words and then start spouting off what they were going through. Somebody would call the ambulance. Mm-hmm. And everybody would say they were crazy. Nobody would say, come sit down with me. Yeah. You know, if you need somebody to talk to, I'll talk to you. Yeah. And so that's the kind of society we're in today. So we have this narrative around how you handle your trauma as well, too. Yeah, and everyone, and, and I don't have, we don't have all the answers. We just have our own experiences. I think that's why, again, it's important to hear your experience because this might specifically work head on for everyone, mm-hmm. but then also might pull a couple things from you. I mean, that's why it's important to talk about this shit yeah. and, 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 and hear this out. Yeah. One hundred percent, dude. I appreciate you um, you hopping on here and, and sharing that. That was that was a, that was. A, I, I didn't. We didn't know one hundred percent where it was going to go. We had an yeah. idea, and I thought it worked out beautifully. So I appreciate you taking the time and whatever the hour long Uber from fucking Hollywood. <laughs> so I appreciate you doing that. But um, before we do get out of here, if there's anything you want to plug or any last words or anything you want to, if like you didn't get off your chest, I'm, feel free to rip the mic apart. No, I always tell people, you know. The unhealed version of you makes very different decisions than the healed version of you. And so a lot of times we're getting what we're getting in life because we're not doing the work that requires to be healed. And so I would urge people to start that journey for yourself. And it doesn't matter how you start that journey, but start that journey for yourself. That is your greatest work in life. 
And there's a difference between having a job and your work. Your job you could be hired to, you could be fired from, but your work in life is something that you're born with. It's a seed inside of you that's given to you by God. And that is the work that you need to do while you're here to evolve your soul. I believe that before we come down here, our whole purpose is to evolve spiritually. That's our whole purpose. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. Don't take this shit too too hard. These are just lessons to evolve you spiritually. And so um, remember, the highest version of you is the healed version of you. Do the work. You deserve what's on the other side of healing. Do the work. Dead talks. <laughs>